Hey, Lisa. How's it going? It's going. Like like Groundhog Day, right? Same same thing, different day. Who knows what day it is? No idea. Although we do know what today is because it is Thursday, April 16th, and this is the day we would have been flying up to Boston. So a little a little bit bittersweet. And um, you know, I, I usually lose track of the days, but I did I do know today is the day we were scheduled to fly up to Boston. Yes, and how appropriate that today we both coincidentally put on our respective uh, Boston long sleeve technical shirts. Mine is from the 2014 race and yours is from the 2016 and we can tell because we each have blue shirts on and the even number years for Boston are blue and the odd number years are yellow shirts. So we have a whole collection of blue and yellow shirts from Boston in our in our closet. So chances are likely if I've got a technical running shirt, long sleeve running shirt on, it's probably one of my Boston ones because it takes up most of my collection. And why don't you share why we both coincidentally are wearing our shirts today? Well, we got to speak today, the honor of speaking with uh, Dave McGilvery, who is the Boston Marathon Race Director. And also uh, he owns his own very large and very um, established race management company. DMSE Sports, and uh, so we he, we spoke to him last year, and he's always so generous with his time. I always, I actually just told somebody this story the other day. They asked, "How do you, you know, do people are people willing to be on your podcast? Are they, uh, you know, is it easy to get people to come on your podcast? How do you get people on your podcast?" And I gave, told them the story about Dave that last year, uh, uh, one of our running friends. Um, Dan DeFonzo had recommended that we get Dave on our Boston Marathon podcast. And we both sort of looked at each other and said, we think he has more important things to do. And, uh, you know, we know he's a, he's a big motivational speaker and he travels the world to speak to large groups. And we thought he has better things to do than speak to our little podcast. But we went out on a limb and we just went on his website and sent a quick uh, contact us email asking him. And within 20 minutes, we had an email back from him saying, sure, just tell me when. So he's always been so generous with his time and so willing to talk to us. And uh, again, this year, uh, we had touched base with him earlier in the year when there was a lot going on with, um, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen with the marathon. And he said he would be happy to talk to us, but he wanted to talk to us when he had some more clarity on what was going on because things were changing minute to minute. So we followed up with him and got to talk to him today. And uh, I always get off these, our, our interviews with our, these, with our guests and particularly with Dave today, feeling uh, kind of on a high, on a runner's high, it gives me my runner's high back. Same. He gave us hope. And um, Dave is just a champion at inspiring people and showing people that we can all make our own rules our game, as he talks about my game, my rules. And he did just that today. He brought us some hope and definitely, definitely elevated um, my mood and also reminded me that you know, we can always, and I know we've been saying this a lot, but it's worth repeating, we control the controllables. And there are things that we can do to better ourselves each and every day, even in uncertain circumstances. And Dave is a shining example of that. Yep. And speaking of my game, my rules, we came up with a game and some rules this week, right? To help some, to help some of our runners stay inspired and stay focused on some goals. And we uh, coined it the Pandemic Improvement Project, or PIP. And it is an opportunity for runners, anyone. Don't have to be one of our runners. You don't have to be local. You can be anywhere. You don't even have to be a runner. You can use this to just launch your running. Uh, anytime this week before Sunday, or we'll be, we're, we're, we're uh, pretty um, generous judges. We'll, we'll give people a couple days leeway if they need it. Do a one mile time trial. You can do it outdoors. You can do it inside on a treadmill. We only ask that you do it alone or only with people that you're sheltering in place with, uh, that you're quarantined with, and record it somehow, either on your watch or on an app on your phone, and then submit it to us through email through our Julie and Lisa at runfartherandfaster.com. Send us the picture, send us the time, send us a picture of yourself or a video of yourself, and um, doing that this week, and then Four weeks from now, or a little over four weeks from now, in mid-May, I think, uh, I forget the exact dates, but we can post them on our Facebook page, in mid-May, doing it again and looking for an improvement. So between now and then, either on your own, 
with us helping you either as a virtual client or we've sent out, we've posted free uh, basic training plans for beginners and for more advanced runners. So doing things between now and then to try to improve yourself and improve your time. And we're going to give out some fun prizes for improved times for different categories. We're going to try to create a montage at the end. So send us your, your uh, pictures, your videos, both of while you're doing the time trial and while you're training. And maybe you want to talk a little bit about what people can do between now and mid-May to, to improve that time. Absolutely. So in addition to um, simply running and staying consistent, that's the biggest thing you can do is just set up a schedule for yourself that is doable where you are consistently running. Um, like Lisa just mentioned, you can certainly um, follow any of the free schedules that we posted on our Facebook page underneath the post about our pandemic improvement project, or we are happy to provide virtual coaching for anyone who wants to improve their mile time. But the biggest thing is consistency. And with consistency, um, if you want to treat that as just getting out the door every day, that's consistency. But also consistency is committing, for example, to one day a week of doing a little tempo work or doing some speed work. But what we don't want to see is anyone trying to cram runs, um, injuring themselves by doing too much too soon, which is why it's important to follow some kind of schedule or um, anyone trying to um, exert themselves to a point that would be unhealthy. So that's why we chose the mile. Um, it's doable for everyone. Anyone can improve, um, but it's not something that's going to tax your immune system to such an extent that it could compromise um, your health. So that's what we mean about what you can do. And one more layer of this that we talk about so much are the little things, um, strength training, sleep, hydration, and um, feeding your body with um, some good fuel. Yep, yep. And you don't have to be training for a mile specifically. Like, you know, you don't have to be training to for the mile distance specifically. Any training that you're doing, even endurance training, distance training, training for a 5K, whatever, just getting out, like you said, consistency will result in an improvement in your mile time. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh Thing. We've already had a bunch of entries, so keep them coming. We're keeping track, and we'll see where everyone is in a month. You know, look, we've got this time. Whether you like it or not, we've got this time, so might as well make the best of it. Absolutely. So we are going to turn it over to Dave shortly, but before we do, we have a special announcement. We're going to be doing a special podcast on Marathon Monday um, just um, to lift the spirits of anyone who, like us, um, will be thinking about what they normally would be doing on Patriots Day, we will be doing a special Boston Marathon podcast. So look for that um, this Monday. We will release it. And in the meantime, Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Thanks, Julie. You too. All right. Take care. You Bye. Too. Bye. We are so pleased to welcome to our podcast for the second time, Boston Marathon race director and owner of DMSE Sports, Dave McGilvery. When Dave is asked, what do you do for a living? He responds, I help to raise the self-esteem and self-confidence of tens of thousands of people in America. And we could not agree more. Dave is going to talk today in our podcast about what we can do as runners during this time of uncertainty and what it's like behind the scenes as the Boston Marathon race director right now. Dave has a long list of accomplishments in his resume. It would probably take this entire podcast to list them all, but some highlights most recently include running the seven marathons on seven continents races, running post-triple bypass surgery last year, the Boston Marathon, writing four books, most recently two children's books, and also being the father of five kids, so without further ado, we welcome Dave, and we hope that this podcast brings you hope and a little bit of certainty during a time of great uncertainty. Happy listening. How are you? Like, how, how are you? Yeah, well. How are you managing? I mean, you know, I, I try to put things in perspective, right? So, you know, knowing everything else going on in the world, in the country, wherever and people being profoundly impacted by 
this virus, it's tough to it's tough to be um, full of self pity, <laughs> you know. About gee, you know, I um, I wish it wasn't what it is. And as I just said, right now I'd be somewhere else and looking forward to Marathon Monday, like I have for the last forty eight years of my life. So putting it in perspective, I'm home. I have my family. I have my health. So everything's fine, you know, in that regard. Um, but on the flip side, you know, and, and we all sort of have to look what's happening to us individually on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, business is really taking a big hit right now. Um, just the very nature of what we do, we, we try to attract a real lot of people <laughs> and line them up in a small amount of space. And that totally flies into the face of the pandemic. You know, that that is exactly what we're not supposed to do. So when can we do it? You know, obviously no one knows. The only thing we're all certain about is the fact that everything is uncertain. Um, so it's, right now it's, we're in a really tough place, uh, not knowing what the future will bear and when we'll be able to sort of come out of this and get back to doing what we love to do. And is it a month, two months, five months next year? Maybe never. I mean, we just don't know until we get closer and closer to an answer. Yeah. I like what you just said about the only thing that we're certain about is that there's uncertainty and um, we feel like you're sort of a, a pro at that, at managing that because the last time we spoke with you was um, about 13 months ago and you talked about how you were training post heart surgery for Boston 2019, but you mm -hmm. weren't sure if you would be able to run it, but you were training for it as if you would. So maybe talk to us about how you manage that and maybe our listeners can sort of draw some advice from your experience. Well, specific to what you just said about my training for last year's Boston, I remember right before I had the surgery, um, turning to my heart surgeon and I said, you know, in six months, this, this little jogathon in Boston that I've sort of shuffled through a few times, what do you think? And he gave me the best possible answer. He didn't say, yes, I think you can do it, or no, I don't think you can. He said, I'd be extremely disappointed if you couldn't. And that gave me the one thing I was looking for, and that was hope. You know, hope that that's all, that's really all we got, right? At the end of the day is we're hopeful that this will all resolve itself sooner than later and we all can get back to our normal lives whatever that might be and i know people talk about a new normal but you know some semblance of what it has been so but at the same time you know you you, you have to be careful of that too um because you can set yourself up for a lot of disappointment so you have to be a realist you know and have realistic expectations too. And so for us, uh, for me personally, in my company, DMSE Sports, um, we manage about 35 events a year. Our last event was this past Thanksgiving, and we haven't had an event since. And our first event was gonna be this weekend, actually Saturday, the BAA 5K, and then the marathon on Sunday. Well, that's been quote unquote postponed. And then everything in April that we had remaining, everything in May, everything in June, and it looks like everything in July has either been canceled or postponed. Yeah, there could be some virtual races going on, but we wouldn't have much involvement in that. So now we're into August, and even August now is questionable which then brings us back to the marathon. And so potentially we may have lost everything 
from you know April to September. Um, so there's the conundrum of what I have a full-time staff of 10 people. I have independent contractors, people who, you know, are key contractors, consultants that rely on this business to earn a living too. And, um, you know, how do you continue to manage that and, and them not really having an awful lot to do right now? Um, so we're, we're, you know, going through all the different scenarios as to how to best play this out. And uh, I've never done this before. And I always thought, um, I guess, in a, in a naive way that this industry was bulletproof, that even in recessions and tough times, people turn to themselves and get out there and do things to better themselves if other things in their lives aren't going well. And then in good times, they're, they're out there too. So I never thought that anything could ever happen to this industry until now. And I've been, I've been proven wrong. Yeah. Um, so there's hope that this will soon uh, correct itself and, and, uh, and we'll be back at it. But, you know, looking at all the forecasts, it, it, it you know, everyone's saying that, yeah, the economy may come back and, you know, the shelter in place may ease um, over the course of the next few months. But this whole concept of mass gatherings is really what's getting to me right now, that most are saying that without the, the vaccine, that it would be tough to support a mass gathering. Um, you know, up until now, I haven't heard that really as, as a key component until most recently. And that's what's making me a little bit apprehensive about September on. Yeah, I remember yeah. last year when we talked to you, we, we asked you what keeps you up at night. And you gave us a list of things, you know, uh, the weather or traffic, you know, something happening with traffic. And I, I'm guessing that a pandemic was never on your radar screen. <laughs> No, certainly, I don't think it was probably on anyone's radar screen except, you know, Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates, <laughs> or whoever, you know, who, whoever yeah. had the foresight that this was, this was coming, you know, Matt Damon in his movie. I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> it, it didn't seem like many of us in the running industry were, were planning in our operation manual for a pandemic. Um, but it's in interesting you bring up the weather because this is similar to that now where we find ourselves, although different, where, you know, two or three weeks out from event day, you might have a long range weather forecast. And I've always felt that, you know, the forecast is right too often to ignore, but wrong too often to rely on. So what do you do? Mm -hmm. And all you can do is really wait it out mm -hmm. until you get closer and closer and then the information becomes more credible because too far out, if you start knee-jerking and reacting to it, you could be wasting an awful lot of resources and time, but you can't get so close to it that now you've run out of time to react to it. So when's the optimum time to sort of rely on it and, and react to it? And that's the same here. It, like, I don't, you know, how much money and resources do we continue to throw at an event, say, in October when it may not happen now? I don't, I, I'm not sure. There are races that are in, even in August, that haven't opened registration yet. Mm -hmm. So they're even questioning, do we go through the process now of opening registration for something in August when that may not then happen and then we have to deal with the ramifications of refunds or deferments or virtual and that's just a massive massive headache and not only a headache but a conundrum as far as what do you do do you refund do you not refund are you in a financial position to do that or not mm -hmm. and then you get into the confrontation with the, with the customers because some understand others don't understand it just gets really complex yeah, there's there's a lot of, I mean, without going too off track, but there's a, a lot of business models, I feel like, that are in your shoes, while not the same as racing. Um, certainly things like um, 
one thing that comes to mind are all of the sleepaway camps and summer camps where mm -hmm. their business model is based on income coming in. It's not like they have this cadre of um, race registration money just sitting there or um, registration money and they're relying on that current registration to be able to execute the actual product. And so I feel like it's in, in, in the cut and the event itself is joyful and happy and you don't want to upset the customers, obviously, but there has to be a level of understanding um, among all runners that the Boston, the Boston marathon or any race is reliant on runners running. And in order to execute an event to support runners running, they need to pay money and mm -hmm. to give a refund would then cause the events for the most part, maybe the BAA being the exception because it supports the Boston marathon differently than other races. It would cause the actual race to be obsolete. And we don't want to come out of this with races and race companies being obsolete. So as a runner, I would like to say, I would like to look at this as an investment mm -hmm. where um, if runners do not always get their registration back after or during this pandemic, look at it as an investment so that the race continues after this is over. Well, certainly I'm, I'm both a runner. I have paid entry fees mm -hmm. to races that now have been canceled. Mm -hmm. personally, as a runner. Mm -hmm. So have I written to those races saying, I want my money back? No, yes, I have right? Yeah. So I understand what you're yeah. saying. So on the race management side, certainly I, I get it too. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. You know, I've directed about 1,200 events over the last 40 years. I mean, all over the country and all over the world. And I've only had to cancel one. And that was a triathlon in Boston about 15 years ago called the Monster Challenge. And it was a big deal triathlon. It was an ITU World Cup points race. I had athletes in from all over the world to participate. You know, not 10,000, you know, triathletes, but, you know, over 1,000. And it was a big deal. And, you know, we were hearing that a nor'easter was on the way. And I was like, what do I do? And, again, you're in in the ocean, you're on the bike, and how, how can you put on a, a triathlon in the middle of a nor'easter? So the long and short of it all is, is that the night before, I, I had to cancel it and make everyone aware of that, and then I had that added dilemma of what, what do I do as far as the entry fees? I've already spent 90% of it, and do I mm. refund, do I not refund? And we did not refund except to the ones who complained the loudest, which is odd because they're the ones who shouldn't get yeah. <laughs> but you wanna you don't want to spend 90 percent of your time just dealing with two or three people who are just screaming in your face so you just want to put that fire out and move on mm -hmm. but um but i learned a valuable lesson and even though you know all my applications said you know no refunds and all that what i began to do is i i would explain in an application that we're all enlisting together. This is a partnership. And we all should incur the same amount of risk going in. And if Mother Nature or Force Majeure comes along, and for some reason we can't do this, then we all need to participate in, in the financial risk involved. Mm -hmm. It can't just all be on the onus on, on the race itself because you know, there's been a lot of labor put into it. There's been expenses already, t-shirts or medals or whatever been ordered, uh, you know, marketing and advertising and promotion. And the list goes on and on and on. And all that has been spent to date. So how can you expect us to fully refund your entry fee when we've taken the money that you've given us, you've invested in the race and we've taken that money and spent it on the race. And then the race through no one's fault is canceled. And now you're wanting a full refund. It's just not going to happen. So as if you can explain that more upfront, not that mm -hmm. that at the end of the day is going to, you know, absolve you from people still asking for their money back. And the mm -hmm. only other issue with today versus those kind of situations and that is that people are out of a job and right. money's tight. And I can understand how mm -hmm. They had to pay a significant entry fee, $100, $150. Maybe they entered their whole family and it came to three, $400. And now through no fault of their own, you know, we're basically saying the race is canceled and there's no refunds and they're out $300 or whatever it might be. That's a lot of money, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, it, it works both ways. I get it. Yeah. 
Yeah. What what so, races were you, what races were you uh, signed up for? What what was on your race calendar other than running Boston? Um, um, it was a new race that um, I was putting on at Logan Airport called 5K on the runway. Oh, that's fine. So I, I entered my two um, children, Luke and Ellie, and um, and then that race was canceled. So, you know, we just the race then said you have three options. One is run virtual, refund, or donate the money to the cause. Mm-hmm. Of course, I said no. We'll donate the money to the mm-hmm. cause. But but I would say that about I think the numbers around seventy five percent of the entrants ask for their money back. And I was surprised. I, on the one hand, I was thinking people would just say, you know, it's for a good cause. It's for mm-hmm. angel flight and they provide uh, air transportation and those in need that need to get the me- medical facilities. And they were even helping some pandemic, you know, some, some, some coronavirus impacted people. And you would think that maybe most of the people who registered would, would understand that and be compassionate and say, no, keep the money. But they, but 75, 80% of them wanted their, wanted their money back. Um, and I, I can't blame them. Either. I'm not going <laughs> to defend anyone because everyone yeah. has their own story and their own situation. And, you know, one size doesn't fit all here. Right. So um, in talking about all this, you're, you're the expert in goal setting and achievement. That's been your your life mission is helping people achieve goals. So we're in this situation. What, what advice can you give as an expert in that field to all of our listeners on how to still get out there and, and try their best to achieve even small goals, how to have that motivation? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do have always felt that we all needed a magnet or a target to go after um, in order to get out of bed every morning and hit the road. Um, it's just easier knowing that there's something down the road that you're, um, you know, gearing up for, if you will, versus just there's, you know, I'm on my way, but I don't know where I'm going, you know, kind <laughs> of uh, philosophy. Um, but at the same time, um, you can set different types of goals, you know, nice. just personal ones in terms of, I've always wanted to see if I could run so many miles a week or um, I've always wanted to try to run this training course that I run normally, you know, at a certain pace, whatever it might be, you have to now create your own magnets and your own targets. And I, and I do believe that this is all temporary. I'm hoping it's not for the long run, no pun intended, um, Mm -hmm. that we will be back. And I would like to think that, at the latest, it's 2021, and mm-hmm. the earliest might might be this fall or winter time. But um, you know, I have a motto, and it's it's my game, my rules, right? So, for example, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I personally do that have nothing to do with road races. Um, I run my age on my birthday, so I started that when I was 12. You know, now I'm 65 and I continue to do it, but I can modify it too. If I can no longer run that many miles, then I could modify it and run and bike it, you know, and, and still cover the distance in miles as I've, you know, but it's, it's my game. So mm-hmm. I can make up the rules. Um, you know, I, I know you may ask this, but come Monday, it's Patriots Day. And it's not Marathon Monday, it's Patriots Day, though. And Marathon Monday is September 14th. So I don't think anybody should run the Boston Marathon course. Thank you. It's coming Monday (laughs) because that's not the marathon anymore, right? But that doesn't mean if someone chooses to do so, they can still run a marathon Mm -hmm. on Monday, but Mm -hmm. do it in their neighborhood, do it on their own roads, do it on their own. And that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to start at five in the morning on Monday and, and do what I normally do on my birthday. I have this four mile loop I do, and I'm just going to do my four mile birthday loop and do it until I cover 26.2 and I'm done. And why? Because for the last 47 years of my life, I've run a marathon on Patriot's Day. 
yeah, it's not going to be the official Boston Marathon, but my game, my rules, you know, for me, that'll satisfy my personal, you know, sort of uh, appetite to, to get it done. And it's a little different than what it normally is. Well, the same thing happened when I got the job. You know, 1988, I was offered the job to help manage the race. And what do I do? Do I run in it or do I run it? I made a commitment to run this thing every year for the rest of my life. And here I'm being offered the job to help manage it or direct it. How can I pass that up? And I said, I know my game, my rules. So I directed the race during the day. Then I tapped a state trooper on the shoulder while I was high-fiving people crossing the finish line. I said, will you drive me back to the start? He said, why did you forget something? I said, yeah, forgot to run. <laughs> so he drove me back to the start. Eight o'clock at night, I started. I finished at 11 o'clock at night. And I've done it that way for the last 32 years. Someone might say, well, that's not official. Well, I, you can say whatever you want. You know, for me, it's official. And that's all that really matters. Is my name in the record book? No, they already shut down the clock. I'm not there. I don't care. You know, I made a commitment to myself to run this race every year for the rest of my life. And I have fulfilled that, that commitment. And on Monday, it's not the race. And I will run it on September 14th, like everyone else, you know, later on at night. But I still want to set my own personal goal of running a marathon on Patriots Day, as I have for the last 47 years. So I'm just going to do it on my own in my neighborhood. Love that. Um, love it. And to that end, can you talk a little bit about um, one of your, you have two children's books out, but one of them I think really speaks to um, the kids and what their situation is right now. And what are some, um, tell us about your book and what's in it that kids could do in terms of their game, their roles. Well, I wrote a, my first children's book called Dream Big because when I was little, um, I was little, <laughs> but I had big dreams. And that's truly what the book is about, is never underestimating your own ability, setting goals and not limits, you know, and understanding that, um, that those who say it cannot be done should not interrupt those who are doing it. And so I've always felt that if I'm going to write a children's book, I don't want them just to read it and put it down and then go off and play ping pong. I want there to be a call to action. I want them to respond to what's in the book. So in order for them to do that, I need to give them an incentive to do it. So I created the Dream Big Marathon, and it was similar to what um, the St. Louis Marathon created in 2001 called the Read, Run, and Write Marathon. Same thing. So it's, it's running 26 miles over... 26 days or how long a period of time, doesn't matter, reading 26 books and doing 26 acts of kindness. And for me, that addresses the three pillars of life. It's health and fitness, it's education, and it's giving back, philanthropy. So I created this Dream Big Marathon, and now kids all over America are doing it. Um, and I, I can't be any more thrilled to know that right now, as we speak, you know, kids all over the country are doing the Dream Big Marathon because it works right now. They can do it at home. And once they do it, they fill out this form that they download from the website of Dream Big with Dave. And, um, and then they mail it to me. And then I mail them back a letter, a personal letter and a medal. And because um, people say to me all the time, what do you do for a living? And I used to mumble when I race director. And they're like, what, what do they do? Talk <laughs> mock in the road and yell go. And now when people ask me, what do I do for a living? I say, I help raise the level of self-esteem and self-confidence of tens of thousands of people in America. And that's really what this is all about. And for me anyways, and the way I look at it years ago in the seventies, it was about competition and it was a hardcore sport. And it's just for those hardcore runners and then the walls of intimidation crumbled and people started believing in themselves and philanthropy into the space. And all of a sudden, you know, you got everyone out there participating. And I always ask people, you know what the toughest part about running a marathon is? And they said, what? And I said, signing the application, you know, making the commitment and having the guts to commit to doing it. And then 
The next toughest part is earning the right to do it. You have to earn the right by doing the work. And then you do the work and you tow the line, you answer the gun, you run the course, you cross the finish line, you get a medal, magic happens. You go home feeling good about yourself. And there's nothing more powerful in this world than to feel good about yourself because it's the very foundation by which we accomplish everything in our lives. And that's all I'm trying to do with these kids is to make them feel good about themselves. It was funny. I was out running with my 15-year-old daughter this morning doing a workout. So uh, we were talking about Monday and how she's going to run a couple of laps with me and my son will run a couple of laps. And so it'll be a lot of fun just to have my family with me and be the first time I ran on Patriot's Day in the morning in right. 33 years. So I'm not running at night, I'm running in the morning, which is pretty cool. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, you could do the Dream Big Marathon <laughs> all in one day. Yeah. <laughs> I said, that's a great idea. I said, the running will be easy. The 26 acts of kindness will be easy. Reading 26 <laughs> books <laughs> might be a little challenging, but I'm gonna get 26 children's books, which I have at home, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna Put them all, stack them all up, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to blast through 26 children's books all in one day and see if I can do the dream big marathon all in one day. You could get Audible books and use them like in, you know. <laughs> and that is them. so funny you said that because that's what she just said. Yeah. She said, yeah, the audio book. So when you're running, you can multitask. You can have the books, theoretically read the books while you're actually running. And maybe you can do a couple acts of kindness I was going to say, way. you could probably there do some go. acts of kindness yeah. too. Break someone's lawn or or whatever. (laughs) Pick up some trash along the way. Pick up trash along the way. Say hi to people. Inspire people. Inspire Inspire people. people. Right. So I have a suggestion. You asked me about what people can do. So I'm always thinking out of the box as to what I can do for myself. It doesn't have to be something that someone else organizes for me in order for me to accomplish. I can do things that I set up for myself. And, and feel good about themselves. So that. I have a suggestion. Um, if you are inclined um, for maybe your last one or two books, um, maybe you could do some sort of live uh, Instagram or Facebook where you read the book for um, everyone to hear, that's to kids crazy. out there. Yeah. Maybe your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's funny because I, I just finished, well, I didn't finish the manuscript, the third book. It's about running seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. So it has a lot of geography lessons in it, which is really cool. I mean, we talk about Antarctica and talk about the various continents that uh, we ran on. And um, so that manuscript is done, even though the book isn't published. But theoretically, for me, I've got three books out now, Running Across America, Dream Big, and the 777 book. So um, those are going to be three of the 26 I'm going to read. Yeah, read them aloud. We would like to. We'd like to. And we just interviewed yeah. um, Mike Wardian last week. He was yeah. on our on our oh. podcast. So uh, mm-hmm. seven continents in seven days. Yeah, yeah he's great. a he's a stud. I mean, we're really good friends. In fact, we just emailed each other yesterday, day before. It was his birthday. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wished him happy birthday. Yeah, he's another one who's very good at setting his you know his game yeah. his rules and finding things internally to motivate him. Did my Fenway Park marathon and mm-hmm. won it. And he did my Gillette Stadium marathon and won it and all that. So, yeah, we've had numerous occasions to be together and uh, talk about someone who is just an icon in the ultra marathon world and he's mm-hmm. just so down to earth and such a nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, where do you think, what do you, I, I know we talked about uncertainty and not being able to plan ahead. What, what do you think racing is going to look like in, you know, in the next year or two years? What, how do you think this is going to impact races? Do you think smaller races are going to flourish more? Do you think bigger races are going to have to make adjustments? What, what do you foresee? Yeah. And what are you thinking about now when you have this extra time of how you're going to have to pivot? Like equating it to the weather, you might say, what do you think the weather might be mm-hmm. next weekend? And mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be 90 degrees and I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be snowing. Mm-hmm. but other than the extremes, it could be anything, right? And that's how I'm looking at this too. I, I, I don't think it's going to just disintegrate the industry, but I also don't think that, you know, come July, we're all going to be out there puffing and puffing with each other out on the road. It, I just can't see how that can happen. Um, the, 
and, and this isn't to be pessimistic or negative, but I think the damage that's currently being done, um, even if we were able to say the virus is over, everyone come out of their bunkers, like the Wizard of Oz, come out, come out wherever you are. You know? um, I just don't think it's going to be the same because of you know, the carnage that this virus has left behind. Um, just think of sponsorship. Think mm -hmm. of the fear factor by runners. You know, will they want to be together? Think mm -hmm. of permitting. Will cities and towns and communities want to host these mass gathering events? Um, mm -hmm. What about volunteers? Are they going to want to subject themselves this soon to mass gatherings? Um, you know, so, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so it's tough to fathom that this thing is just going to correct itself instantaneously. It, it, it's going to take time. Um, and I don't know what that means in terms of the business side of the industry. Um, you know, companies like mine, I mean, obviously, I'm sort of staying up at night wondering what's going to happen here. Um, I, 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 it took... I've been doing this for 40 years and I, I, I'm just praying that in one felt swoop it just doesn't all go away on me. Um, but it, that remains to be seen. I think, you know, I have plan A, plan B and plan C in terms of the best case scenario and then a situation in the middle and the worst case scenario in my mind. You know, what, what, might, what I might have to do in terms of staffing, in terms of downsizing in terms of um, projections, uh, forecasting. We have to be thinking about it because it's real. We're living it on a day-to-day -day basis right now. And then there are a lot, all these other moving parts. You know, it's the government stepping in to offer up the payroll protection, paycheck protection plan, and whether you can qualify for that or not. And I just read in the paper today that I've submitted the application and all the documentation, and now they said they've run out of money. Yeah, you know, I just heard. Uh, yeah, that the $249 billion has already been allocated, and they're not sure it'll be another injection or not. Well, where does that leave all of us who didn't get the money yet? Right. I don't know. Or who need the money and who need the money now. You know, there's so many who have applied and need that influx of money right now to keep their employees on while you're waiting. What do you do? And so how do you... How do you plan when you don't even know if you're going to get that? Mm -hmm. How do you plan if you don't know if your races in August and September and October are going to happen? A lot of decisions have to be made. Do you talk to other race directors? Do you have other resources that you draw upon? I mean, you're kind of seen as like the, you know, the guru in the, in the United States, but who well, do you talk to? Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to Beth Schluger from Hartford mm -hmm. two days ago. You know, and mm -hmm. she's in both. They have 30 events. They had two or three in March, and now she's faced with uh, having to decide on the Hartford Marathon by, say, July 1st. Mm -hmm. She's not sure. And, and then mm -hmm. she's got the same size staff as me and mm -hmm. having to have to cut back a certain percentage, you know, to them. And yeah, we're all in the same boat. And, um, you know, Running USA is doing these race camps um, on, on, online where, you know, you can listen in and race directors are obviously offering up their personal experiences as to what they're going through. So I guess misery loves company a little bit here. Yeah. Um, you know, and everyone's case is, we're all in the same boat, but everyone's case is a little different mm -hmm. because of their personal situation and their financial situation. I know some people who you know, are from, say, the Florida region, and their season is right now. You know, their season has been March, April, and May. Mine isn't, mine is more June through November, mainly the fall and the spring, but it wasn't in February, March, and April. I had no events mm -hmm. on in April. Some of these other companies, that's when they had 15 events, and they all get tossed. So they've already got the major hit. I haven't, that's coming for me down the road, but I haven't got it yet. So everyone's in maybe in a different place and have to make their own decisions as to what to do based on where where they're where they're at. So as we 
start to conclude, we want to leave our listeners with um, some advice from you, because as we mentioned before, you're, you're so good at setting achievable and sometimes unachievable goals. So what advice do you have for all of the runners out there that are trying to get out the door every day and doing the best they can, but also love to race like we all do? What advice do you have for them right now? You know, I, I, the beauty about running is that it, in a sense, it's indi- individualistic. In other words, you, you, you don't need anyone else to go out there to do a run. You, you can do it on your own. Whereas if you want to play basketball, you know, a game, you need other people. You, you, you want to play tennis, you need another person. You want to, um, you know, play a hockey game, you need a, you get the point, right? So I think that number one, we need to be thankful that we're involved in a, in a sport, in an activity that we can still continue to do um, throughout this pandemic. In fact, you know, I hate to say there are silver linings and there is good that can come out of tragedy, but there is. I mean, happened in Boston after the bombings, as bad as that was, foundations were created, the Martin Richard Foundation and the Heather Abbott Foundation, all these foundations created by individuals or families that were profoundly impacted now are doing so much good in the world. And so it's, it's all attitude more than anything else. And it's turning negatives into a positive. Um, we really have to get away from the concept of self-pity and, and feeling, oh, woe is me, you know, why me kind of attitude and, and look at the good in some of this and, and, and the, the fact that we as runners, we are fortunate that we can continue to do what we love to do and so many other people can't. So uh, the running industry, I mean, the runners, I, 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 other than running in races, being competitive in races, yeah, you can go out there and be competitive of yourself for a while. And I, and I do believe that this is temporary. I don't know how long that means. Does that mean three more months or a year or two? I don't know. Who knows? No one knows. But I think that at least feel good that you can, you can continue to get out there and do these things. And, you know, there are these virtual runs that you can participate in and, and all that. So, um, take advantage of that. Um, you know, so anyways, so that's why I, I, I don't think as runners, we have it as challenging, challenging as other, other people might. And, um, and there's the whole concept of, you know, this is a time when those of us who have the means and are healthy can, can help those who are, are really hurting. And, and, you know, my kids are home making up cards for, people who live in senior citizen homes, right? Um, my staff went into our warehouse and took all the, the leftover um, gloves that we had and ponchos that we had and donated them to Leahy Clinic Hospital. Um, so, you know, this is the time when maybe we need to step up and, and give back and, and not think about just us. Like, and, and, but because I've always felt that when you give, you, you receive even more in return. You're going to feel so much better about yourself when you give of yourself to someone else. So um, it's a time for reflection. It could also be an, um, you know, a societal or at least for us, an industry correction somewhat, maybe. Um, you know, obviously there was such a proliferation of events and that, that's not a bad thing, but a lot of races that have been around for a while we're seeing a decline in participation, 10%, 20%. And that might be the net that the race needed to survive. And so if that goes away, that even though there was participation, there may not be enough financial wherewithal in there to continue with it. And maybe after all this is said and done, there'll be more runners out there. Because, I mean, when you think about it, you go out the door now and people mm-hmm. are walking. I, I'm in my home office right now. I look out the window and it's like Times Square out there. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, I see people 
out there walking and running. I've never even seen in my neighborhood before. They come out. Right. And, and so you wonder if this is going to end up being the third running boom where these people, once we do have events that maybe since they're out there walking and running right now, that they're going to say, hey, you know, this benefited me. I lost a lot of weight or I feel so much better. I'm going to continue with this. So, so I think there's, we got to think about the positive in, in all of this, um, but w- without sort of neglecting the hurt that's going on too. You know, I, I have received a couple of emails from irate people, residents of communities that say, I can't believe you're seriously still considering putting on that XYZ race, you know, in my hometown where people are so impacted by this virus. And the only thing I can write back is, well, you know, we are hopeful that, that we can continue to do this. We're not ignoring what's going on in the world, but we don't want to just give up everything in our lives. You know, we're hopeful that at some point in time, and we know as we get closer, if it's time to pull the plug, we'll pull the plug. But, you know, why do that prematurely if maybe this might come back? Anyway, we'll see. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Um, As always, you share such enlightening words, but you're also so motivating and uplifting and Um, We really enjoyed talking with you. So thank you for your time and your wisdom and all of your advice. And we hope that you have a wonderful um, looped marathon on Monday. (laughs) It looks like it's going to rain too. So (laughs) three years in in a row. I was going to say it would would be a trend, but you know, I I hope it does so that we feel like at least we avoided the rain. Everyone's telling the same thing. I hope it's thunder and lightning. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful, a wonderful uh, run. And we're going to keep an eye out for you reading your book. So if you can go live, let us know. We'll let our runners know. But thank you so much. You give us hope. And that's, I mean, I think that's such a great message is that there's always hope. So thank you so much. And, um, and enjoy like some little bit of downtime while you can. Thanks for having me. Appreciate all that you two do too for the industry. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye.